Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, presented by RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to the Raider Ramble for all your Raider needs. Got a special guest, Mo Moten, in the house. Jose, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest to the people? Oh, man. My boy, Maurice Moten of Bleacher Report, the guy who actually speaks logic on Twitter. That's not too many you can find on there that you can actually speak ball and just actually have civil discussions with without hating on someone's difference of opinion. Although when it comes to Mo, it's, it's, it, I, I find it very rare that me and this guy can actually differ on opinion. And at one point I even referred to this guy as my twin. So I'm very excited. And I, I'm, I'm, I had to have been him as our first guest on here. So what up, Mo? Welcome to the podcast, brother. And I had to come on here. I, like you said, we agree on a lot. And even when we do disagree, the very few times we do, it's very civil. So it's hard to find that on Twitter. I know a lot of people think I'm a hater, so I want to warn you guys with this episode. Might drop some bombs in here that might get you some hate mail, so just look out for that. Hey, it's nothing new for us. We get it hate, from hate, time hate, to time. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> we encourage it. We like it. We like it. All right, we're going to be talking about three different things with you guys today. First, we're going to talk about Tyrell Williams. Then we're going to get into a new segment of who's feeling the heat. And then we're going to be making some predictions on who's going to have the most sacks this year for the Raiders. So first things first, uh, Mo, I read an article from you on Bleacher <laughs> Report about breakout players from OTAs. Um, saw the guy that you listed for the Raiders was Tyrell Williams. Personally, I love Tyrell Williams as a signing. I think he was one of their best acquisitions in the offseason. Can you talk a little bit about what he put brings to the table for the team? I think he's going to win a lot of one-on-one matchups with his speed. Obviously, he's a big guy, 6'4", 205, so he can go over the top. A lot of people didn't watch a lot of Tyrell Williams because he was kind of in that crowded Chargers wide receiver yep. corps. They had Mike Williams. They had Keenan Allen, Travis Benjamin. Melvin Gordon catches out of the backfield. Austin Eckler catches out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys out there. So you can overlook Williams. But I think he's going to be able to win, a, again, a lot of those one-on-one matchups because Brown's going to garner a lot of double coverage downfield, probably a cornerback up front and a safety over the top. So I think using his speed and his height, his size, He's going to be able to get those jump balls, contested balls. I know uh, Derek Carr talked about his route running ability. He's not just a, a big athletic guy. He can actually run a, a full route tree. And I think yeah. that's important for John Gruden because John Gruden likes his guys to, one, be able to move around, play the X and Z receiver, play in the slot. And he likes his guys to be able to obviously run a, a good route. So I think Terrell Williams checks both boxes. And as you read in the article, uh, that's what Derek Carr highlighted. Yep. That's what uh, the secondary coach Jim O'Neill highlighted. When uh, he said Terrell Williams beat his guy on in coverage. So look out for him to have a big year. Maybe not a 1,000 yards. I, I would go in the 800, 900 range. But definitely he's going to have his games where he's going to have 100 yards in, uh, in a contest. Yeah, I mean, he's really like a, a deep threat that the Raiders haven't really had in the last few years. You know, I know last couple of years they had Johnny Holton. But anytime Johnny Holton was on the field, you knew what he was doing. And yeah. like you said with Tyrell, he can run that full route tree and makes him more of a weapon and helps, you know, even helps him on the shorter routes because DBs are bailing like that one route that you mentioned uh, the secondary coach pointed out. I'm excited to see what he can do, especially with deep ball stats from PFF. He had a deep pass catch rate of 52.9%, which ranked 11th last year. And then pairing him with Derek Carr, Derek Carr had an accuracy rate of 49% on deep balls, and that ranked 5th. 
I mean, Williams had 20.47 yards per deep target, ranked seventh. Carr, 14.2 yards per deep attempt. Overall, I love this signing for the Raiders. Quick, though, 16.3 yards per catch, you know, for his career. And, and you yeah. mentioned it. Derek Carr has got to be comfortable throwing the deep ball, though. And I think That's true. There, there, there was a stat out, and I think it came from PFF, that Derek Carr is one of the most accurate deep ball throwers. He just has to throw it more. I think if he yeah. trusts his arm more, and I think he does, but he just has to be a little more aggressive. And I know people say, well, he has to balance when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive. I think with this wide receiver crew, you got AB, you got Terrell Williams, you could be a little more aggressive and go down the field a lot more. And also get a little protection, but we'll save that yeah. for later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, yeah, that's oh, going to be be huge, too, as long as they can get time. But you, hey, use, that, use, that, use that play action. Use that play action. <laughs> Hopefully. Boom. Finally. And you guys think, like, off the top of my head, when you guys were speaking, was the last real Raiders deep threat Jacoby Ford? Was that the last, like, legitimate deep threat that, like, you just send him on a go route and he was taking over the top of a safety? I don't recall anyone any recent. I can't remember. Was Is he older or younger than Denarius Moore? I feel like they're about the same time. Uh, Jacoby Ford came in first. Jacoby Ford was first? He should have came. He came in first, like, 2010 when he was a rookie. I mean. Like, 2011, 2012 or something like that. I mean, if Andre Holmes had developed into what people wanted him to, he could have been that yeah. guy. But yeah. he just, he just never, he just never uh, shifted into that next gear. So he, you know, he kind of fizzled out, went to Buffalo. I don't know. I, I believe he's unsigned now. But if he had developed into a complete player, I think he could have been that guy. And you know what's kind of weird? It's kind of like I see a little bit of Audrey Holm and Tyrell Williams. And I'm not trying to say that they disrespect Tyrell Williams because obviously he's a much better, more fluid receiver. Um, Tyrell Williams and Andre Holmes, you know, you figure, okay, you got the big frame set. But Tyrell Williams, that guy is like, that guy's fast. Track he star. Actually, he actually, yep. And he'll actually be able to run his routes well, which is something that I feel that's the ideal Derek Carr receiver. It's not so much that it's, someone who's going to go deep it's someone who's going to be a great nice and crisp route runner you know you think of who he's had in his career you've had mari cooper nice and crisp michael crabtree nice and crisp then like seth roberts at the time who would find like soft spots boom and i mean so all of his ideal receivers have been you know you want someone who could run the nice fluid route going out of his breaks like no deal and shake the corner and then bam he'll he'll lob it to you so with tyler williams at least like now he has that threat deep wise because running deep like fluid routes and you know you're gonna sell it the go route and come under you know not too many receivers are capable of doing that you know and i remember i just saw a video of dk metcalf it took that guy like eight steps and five yards to <laughs> come out of his curl route like man imagine that imagine the pick sixes that are gonna come from that type those type of routes but i'm just i'm really excited to see tower williams when he was the lead man for the chargers he really balled out and as a number two he's gonna be great i forgot who said it but uh read an article from vic Tafer. someone said he's a mix between johnny holton and, and andre holmes and of course they want him mm. to be better than those guys but yeah. he, as far as his physical traits he's a mixture between the two because again he has the speed and he has the size yeah, yeah. i mean he's six four and runs like a four four one something crazy all right, boys. I think it's time we uh, <laughs> drum roll to the uh, drum roll to the to my favorite topic that I really was excited to bring Mo on. Of the two position coaches, guys, the two position coaches, offensive line coach Tom Cable, 
we we all know about we all know about his resume, his status and reputation, especially last season with the offensive line giving up 52 sacks. That's just was insane as the most sacks that Derek Carr has suffered in his career in one season. Thus, why the offense was completely at a stalemate and stagnated from time to time. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the defensive line, defensive line coach Preston Buckner, who is new, and he's a reason why he was brought in is to revamp that whole front four and then some, because we all know how horrendous that pass rush was. They couldn't get, there was hardly any pressure, and there was only they only accumulated 13 sacks overall. That's they didn't even average a sack a game. <laughs> that was ridiculous. And you know it makes sense. We know about the Khalil Mack trade, which then like you you take off the top of the defense, and then now Bruce Irvin cannot come in and produce. And then we thought Arden Key was going to get brought along, and he just got thrown into the fire. So both sides, those are easily by far like the weakest position groups that was of last year, and now they're looking to get looking for a huge step in 2019 so guys and I'll, I'll ask i'll ask you first mo which of the two is facing the most pressure is it buckner or is it cable it this is a very easy question it's it's tom cable without a doubt Derek carr got sacked 51 times if Derek carr gets sacked 41 times this upcoming season cable should be out i i felt john gruden shouldn't have hired cable from the beginning i, mm-hmm. I wrote an article i believe uh last summer and i i chronicle it all from the minute he became a, a offensive line coach and even when he was a head coach for the Raiders uh, his offensive lines they may be able to run block very well but they don't pass protect very well quarterbacks are getting sacked guys like Russell Wilson who was an athletic quarterback he was getting brought down so again he does not have a good track record and if he if this continues why keep him on his track record isn't good and then he comes to Oakland and it's more problems and the main goal is to protect your quarterback. Yeah, I get it. You need a run game to kind of complement the passing offense. But if you cannot protect your quarterback, you're not going anywhere. And we talked. You, you mentioned it earlier. If Derek Carr cannot get that time to throw down the field, you're not going to be able to fully use those weapons like Tyrell Williams and AB down the field. So, a lot of pressure on Tom Cable to finally show something. To finally show he can actually protect his quarterback. Also, when you're bringing in Trent Brown and paying him the highest of any offensive lineman, when you need to develop Colton Miller. You got Richie Incognito, who was a pro bowler before he had it, he missed the season. You have to be able to protect your quarterback with that line. Again, if he's sacked 40 times, there's no excuse for that. Not with Trent Brown coming in, not with Richie Incognito coming in, if he is the same pro bowl type player. Not with Colton Miller supposed to be your your uh, your left tackle for the coming years. Not with Gabe Jackson, Ronnie Hudson, who's underrated, one of the best offensive linemen in the game, but nobody talks about him. If you cannot protect Carr with that line, you have a problem. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of the same. It's no question Tom Cable. Um, Mo's touching on it. You look at what they have invested in the O-line versus the D-line. The, the first-round pick in Miller, Incognito, and then on the right side, they're spending $33 million a year. And then the D-line, okay, you have one proven veteran in Justin Ellis, um, but other than that, it's a bunch of rookies and second players. So just on that alone, I think you got to kind of have a little bit lower expectations for Bresson Buckner, especially in year one with just with how last year was. And I mean, at the end of the day, like Jose, you touched on it with 13 sacks last year. 
it's not like it can get much worse. So <laughs> you gotta you gotta figure anything's gonna look like an improvement. And now they have more invested in the D line. Things should go up for them. And I mean, I went back and looked at it just because I was kind of curious to see what Buckner could do as far as turning the D line around. And in Tampa Bay in 2017, so before uh, Buckner got there, they had 22 sacks and ranked dead last in the league. And then in 2018, so Buckner's first year, first and only year there, they had 38 and ranked 19th. I mean, I will take that for any for the Raiders right now. I mean, we're going from you know less than one sack a game to over two, so we'll take that. Oh man, guys, why do you both have to go Tom Cable? Because that's the obvious answer. But you know what? I'll make the case for 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 Buckner. But you guys are totally right for for Cable. It, he has to develop Colton Miller. That's priority number one. And when you look at his resume, who has he really developed? What has he really yeah. done that's so like amazing that keeps him keeps him in the cycle of getting an NFL job? But I digress. I feel like in a sense, like the reason why we brought I brought this up as a topic is because obviously we know like 13 sacks that that is unacceptable. You're not going to get it done at all. I think one of the stigmas that's now gone around the NFL is that, well, you don't need a good defense anymore in this league. I mean, look at the Chiefs, look at the Rams, and it's like, eh, well, you know, they, they had good pass rushes, all right? They didn't have, like, you know, the most stout yeah. defense, but they were – pass rushes were there. And if that, if that wasn't the case, then why did the Chiefs feel the need to retool their whole arsenal? Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, crap, now we got to – now the Oakland Raiders have to – face on these those type of players so i mean in defensive line you know buckner has his hands has uh, his hands full i mean maurice hurst the one lone bright spot in last year he has to hope to continue to see that development improvement because if he doesn't get better this season it's going to be a little bit of a well, what's going on here then you have arden key who right now the topic of discussion is why is he so underweight right now which i think is low-key concerning um, he's going to get pushed off the line fairly easy. I mean, I understand, you know, strength and weight is n not like, you know, totally intertwined, but there definitely is some sort of branch there. Um, Cleveland Farrell, who is everyone's favorite so far, he's going to be solid, but you also have to make sure that he develops. Otherwise, that number four pick that we talked about before, Matt, may start to look like a bit of a reach. Yep. So, I mean, he has his hands full, man, with PJ Hall, you know, you know, um, Eddie Vanderdose and and Justin Ellis, who who's at this point in case, how, how much more do you have to develop? So yeah. you have the interior pressure, the edges, and everything. Um, Max Crosby, who, who who everyone like seems to like. But there's a lot of question marks. There's too many variables. I feel that is on the defensive line to be like, you know, how much worse is it gonna get? Well, how much better do you think it's gonna get? You think it's gonna get like seven sacks better? Because that's not that. That's it's not true, really yeah. calling it better. I mean. Do you see them doubling I mean, yeah. the sack total? And if they do, that's like cool. That's that's a great step. But we want more. It's all about garnering those crucial pass rushes because teams, what our offense is doing, they're dropping back a lot more. So you yeah. need to get those turnovers, especially with the secondary. They aren't totally elite yet, and you want that pressure to cause turnovers. And you know, Buckner has his hands full, guys. Yeah, I mean, similar I to what Mo said about. You know the offensive line. If Cable has, you know, gives up forty sacks or whatever, it's inexcusable. It's not quite as extreme, but if they get, say, 19, which is obviously still better, that's kind of not exactly what you're looking for either. It's not like, That's an improvement, but it's an improvement because the year before was just so bad. Yeah. But I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate as well it, with, with Buckner. I'll say this. If, if he doesn't at least develop 
Farrell into a, a decent pass rusher. I'm not saying Farrell has to have 10 sacks. But let's say Farrell finishes with two sacks. Mm-hmm. Maurice Hurst doesn't develop. Arden Key still has one sack. And the Raiders have below or fewer than 20 sacks at the end of the season. A lot's going to fall on his shoulders and say, well, we hired this guy because he did a good job in, in Tampa Bay. But he hasn't developed our guys. People are going to say, well, we're not going to blame Mayock. Mayock is a great draft guru. He knows what he's doing. It's definitely the coaches because, as we know, mm-hmm. coaching matters in this league. You definitely. can draft a good player, but if you don't have the coaches to develop that player, then you, it's not going to go anywhere. We see that Jahad Ward flashed with the Colts before he got hurt last year. Danigo Autry is now a sack monster with the Colts. I believe he had eight sacks last year. And I know he was decent with the Raiders, but he, he broke out last year with the Colts. So we've seen pl- players leave the Raiders and play well elsewhere, and you know, okay, Maybe it wasn't the GM. Maybe it wasn't the scouting team. Maybe our coaches just didn't have enough. So when you look at Cleveland Farrell, he was picked fourth. A lot of pressures on him. Max Crosby's in the locker room dropping bars. Now that now they're saying he's got he's got to have eight sacks. He's, yeah, he's out there dropping bars. He's got to have eight sacks. So if these guys don't play up, and again, Maurice Serge doesn't develop into a into a, a sophomore breakout or something close to that. They're going to start to question Buckner and say, well, we, we brought in this guy and he, he should be developing our players. If they're not, maybe we need to look elsewhere. So, again, I, I will still stick to saying Cable has the most pressure because of his track record. But Buckner can't just sit back and say, well, we're, we're just going to go for the pressures. They need some sacks. They need some pressure because the defense is young. And if you don't have pressure, you don't have coverage or a combination of the two, you're going to give up a lot of points. And Mo, um, I've explained to Matt like in about two episodes already, and he knows how adamant I am about this. Like <laughs> the free agency period the Raiders had, I, I loved it. All right? I don't want to totally be like negative Nancy here, but because we're we are talking about defensive line, I kind of felt like why did they not see pass rush as a priority in that locker room? Because look at who's on that defensive line, who's in the front. All they were gonna rely on for a pass rush now is going to be rookie players, second-year players, with just, what, with the one veteran, Benson Mayota, Justin Ellis in the middle. I mean, you can hardly call, you know, Eddie Vanados a veteran because he barely has, like, one full season notched under his belt. Um, I mean, I know, like, you can't say, well, they should have gotten more because, you know, it's, it takes two to, to create a free agency contract. The free agent has to want to come and sign, and the, there has to be mutual interest. But I mean, it, it felt like just from even reading reports and everything that they didn't, they weren't really that aggressive in searching for someone to fill that void. Maybe it's because they were already like so set that with the number four pick they were getting with the draft pick. Um, but still, you you still want that veteran presence in there, not someone who's gonna you know blow the doors off and save you know save your sack rate, save your pressure. You want someone in there to be the veteran. I mean, even Khalil Mack. Even Khalil Mack still gives credence and credits um, Justin Tuck and such for his rookie year and his development. You're not saying that it was a you know big part or stuff like that, but it definitely was a part. You know, you want that leader, you want that trendsetter, someone that in there that can help you like mold the the hard edges that the coaches can't, because you know player to player level does matter. So free agency would have been ideal, and I just don't see that having first and second year players being generating your pass rest is not conducive to creating a, a solid defensive front. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think the Raiders are going to hit 40 sacks this year. Obviously, I think I think between the 31 to 35 range seems reasonable, and that may be a little high depending on how you look at it. But I was a little confused about the Raiders' uh, free agency when it comes to defensive end. I know a lot of other people mm-hmm. saying, well, 
why aren't they signing a defensive end? And as Jose said, you need a, a player that's going to want to play there. But a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, people were saying, oh, no one wants to play with, with John Gruden. No one wants to come play for the Raiders. And people say, ha-ha, they do. But they didn't really have or they didn't really go for that many defensive ends during free agency. I felt like they should have signed Shane Ray because he did play in a four-man front at yep. Missouri on the collegiate level. Uh, he wound up signing with the Ravens. But I felt like they could have brought in another guy, Benson Mayo. And, I mean, he had, what, I believe four sacks last year. But he's not really a high-level veteran. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it, Justin Tuck. He, he didn't have a great Raider career, but he needed that veteran guy to teach the young guys technique, uh, develop their pass rush moves because that's important on on the pro level because you're not just going to speed rush past everybody. You're not just going to bull rush past everyone. You need some technique, and I think a veteran in there would be able to teach those young guys just that. And they just, I, I feel like they could have done more, but again, uh, they obviously had a plan that they were going to de- rely on some young guys there, so we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, exactly. You want that veteran, someone who's been there. But yeah, at the end of the day, guys, you two are right. Um, it definitely is cable. Once again, Colton Miller... Um, you have to make sure Gabe Jackson is able to like to actually have like a, a better year. I know he had like a cool year, but it wasn't like the ideal season that we are used to seeing him. Um, Trent Brown should be the anchor. We shouldn't uh, hopefully have any worries. He's got to get incognito up to speed, which is actually going to be, <laughs> which I think is actually interesting, Mo, how those two personalities are going to clash between Cable and incognito, but it's definitely going to be one to see. I was just going to mention that Cable Link and Incognito on Hard Knocks. That, <laughs> oh, that, God. That, that would be something to watch. I would watch it just for that. I believe I tweeted this and I said, I, Richie Incognito on one side, Vontez Burfick on the other side going head-to-head. I would I would want to see that too. But um, this is why the Raiders need to be on Hard Knocks, but that's a whole different topic. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, definitely, uh, K- I, like I said, Cable has is, is got a lot to handle. He does have a talented offensive line. But I will point out that Trent Brown played, played under one of the best offensive line coaches in Dante Scarnecchia in New England, okay. and now he's going to Tom Cable. So I don't know if Trent Brown's going to be the same player. You would hope that because he's a veteran, he could maintain his performance. But you just never know because there's scheme differences, there's fit. You, you never know what you're going to get, especially when you're going from one offensive line coach at the top of the food chain to another offensive line coach at the bottom. I mean, the thing is start. with Trent Brown, though, too, is he was in his last year with the Niners. He was productive without Skarnecki as well. So it's not like we production has been solely Fair based point. on Skarnecki. This is true, but he also had some issues with penalties. I, true, I believe yeah. he had a, I believe he had about 18 penalties between his 2016-17 campaign. So he yeah. did have some he did have some technique issues, but he straightened that out and I believe he talked about how his time in San Francisco helped him. But you just wonder again, how does he fit with Tom Cable and how does he perform? We'll find out. Yeah, I know. I mean, we always know how expats you know they have that that history and <laughs> not exactly nate, panning out other places nate solder nate solder giants <laughs> fans noticed all too well nate solder did not play so well i know he he kind of evened it out toward the end of the season but when he started out he was basically a turnstile i left tackle <laughs> for the giants and people were kind of surprised about that you know what matt i want to swing the topic to actually uh what we just talked about just a minute ago hard knocks how do you feel about that, man? How do you feel about the Raiders going on there? Do you want want them to go on there? Because me and Matt talked about this in the last episode, and we're both 100% for it. I want to see it. it. I mean, if the fans get excited when they see Derek Carr throwing that bomb to AB, then why don't you want to see more of that and then some? What are your takes on that? I, I feel like people are afraid that Hard Knocks would expose too much. I think people who are aware of the dysfunction that's plagued the Raiders over the past decade or so 
are afraid that some of that will show up on camera and then people will clown the Raiders even further than they already do. <laughs> but the writer in me wants to see Hard Knocks because, again, for me as a writer, it's something to write about. It's, it's a, it's a content, great topic. Content, it's a fun content, topic. Content, right. content, content. Content is king. So I would want to see something like that. I just touched on it. Vontez Burfick and Richie Incognito. You got A.B., who I wouldn't say is a problem child, but he's an interesting character you want on camera. John Gruden is used to being on TV. Mike Mayock has been on TV. There are just enough interesting personalities and things going on that you would want to see the Raiders on TV. So I'm leaning towards saying, yes, I would want to see them on Hard Knocks. But if it exposes their dysfunction, I think it could do more harm than good. So it's kind of a catch-22 situation. Could the Raiders save Hard Knocks, though? <laughs> it, I, I'm telling it would be the most interesting TV show out if the Raiders it would. on Hard Knocks. It would be great I, TV. Like, I, I get it for what you're saying, like, exposing the team. Like, you definitely open yourself up to it. It's another distraction, something else that's not football. But it would be awesome to see. Uh, the yeah. coaches, uh, Vic, Vic Taper has said that the Raiders don't want it. And there's, yeah. there's a reason for it. You want to kind of keep things in-house, especially... With a young team, you want to kind of keep things in-house and keep guys focused because when the cameras come around, some people act different when the cameras mm-hmm. around. And that could bring out a whole other bag of worms, but we'll, we'll see how they handle it if they are picked to go hard on us. But I, I don't see any other team coming close to the appeal that the Raiders would have on TV. And it's also because like they don't want them to see the cameras on them when they're like going to cut a player. Right. Which is a little bit like I I gotta cut this guy on national TV and we're gonna see it like come on that's not for the business of everyone else which once again like with Matt I'm also I get it from their standpoint but me being selfish like I want to see it come on man. <laughs> let, let, let's see it o- open up the doors let's see yeah. I want this to be an episode of uh, Cribs on MTV I want you to open up that locker room and show me what's going down like where 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 do you sleep how big is your bathroom where's your dirty laundry I want to see <laughs> yes. I want to see all that stuff all man. A couple of things, though. A couple of things. I want to see a rap battle with Max Crosby and maybe a Jalen Rashard. They need to do a (laughs) three-round, two-minute rap battle when they go head-to-head. I need to see that. That's first of all. Second of all, I think think Gruden, even though he probably doesn't want hard knocks, I think Gruden would be... He's already a TV star, but Mm -hmm. he he would be... He would kill it on hard knocks. Gruden (laughs) says he doesn't want hard knocks, but I think deep down, like, the little ego in him, he's like... Uh, yeah, I fucking love it. <laughs> I, I, I think he, I think he would enjoy. It. I think I initially think he, he wants. He's like, no, I don't want it. But I think once the cameras roll, he because once the cameras are on him, he shines. Yeah. And I think he'll he'll light up once the cameras come in and they're following him around again. As you mentioned, though, when it comes down to cutting players and, and giving harsh criticism, I think that's going to be rough. I know the Browns had some interesting uh, scenes when they when they were on the TV show and you know kind of put people in the poor light so that you got to look out for that. Like how are people going to view cable? If you know, if he does something crazy or how are people going to review Richie incognito, if he has a moment where he's out of his mind. So got to look out for those things. You got some interesting personalities, but it could also be very combustible. And again, that's the, I think the part that they want to shield and keep out of the public eye. They're a lock guys. I'd say they're <laughs> a lock, pretty much. If it was, a, if there was a wager on Vegas, which it probably is, I just haven't looked at it. I'd probably put a nice little parlay not even parlay. I might just go straight up and be like, no, 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 get on there. Yeah, they're doing there. everything. They're doing everything else to the Raiders. They have this long stay away from home. They got this brutal schedule. They're they're moving. Yeah, taking away taking away a home game. So you might as well just put them on hard knocks because you're putting them through all these other experiments. So why not? All right, moving on. 
kind of talked about it a little bit with the uh, Breston Buckner talk. But who are we thinking is going to have the most sacks for this year for the Raiders? It's got to be the guy who shares my name, Maurice Hurst or Mo Hurst. Got to be him. Uh, <laughs> so you're biased. He, yeah, I'm pretty biased. I, I was when when Mo Hurst was drafted in the fifth round by the Raiders last year. I literally hit my head nearly hit the ceiling. Like I was calling for him to be drafted earlier. I know he had the heart issue and people were shying away from him, but I felt like as long as he stayed healthy, he hasn't had any health issues at Michigan that he would be fine and he's the guy that one of those interior tackles that are coming up in the league that can get close to, to 10 sacks a season I think he's that guy a lot of people don't see him as that guy but I do and I think he's going to lead the Raiders in sacks next year he led the Raiders last year the bar was low I know he had four sacks as a team leader but I think he can get close to eight nine this year if he if he plays I would say 70 percent of the snaps I know they have a deep rotation PJ Hall Jonathan Hankins Eddie Vander does if he makes the uh, if he makes the roster. Uh, Justin Ellis is back from a foot injury. Uh, someone mentioned Gabe Wright when I read an article. I don't think he makes the roster, but they have a deep rotation there. But I think again, if he plays about seventy percent of the snaps, maybe two thirds of the snaps, I think he beats the team in sacks. I know a lot of people are going to call for Cleveland Farrell because he's playing on the edge, uh, fourth overall pick. But he is a rookie. He does have to learn the ins and outs of the position and the game. Uh, Mohars has a year under his belt. He was productive at Michigan sophomore jump isn't out of the realm of possibility for him yeah for me um it was Arden Key uh I know last year or I know he's got to get bigger and stronger and learn how to finish but last season he did end up with 31 pressures and that ranked fifth among all rookies and I mean he was productive at LSU um you know you bring up Mo Hurst Mo and you know I, I think that was like my second choice for him just because again it's another second-year player who's going to develop a little bit faster than the rookies are of Farrell or Crosby. Um, and I think it would be a little unrealistic to think that Farrell or Crosby as rookies, um, especially Crosby being a fourth-round pick, is going to lead the team in sacks. Not saying it can't happen, but I think it would be a little bold at this point in the game. Um, but with Hurst, you know, the biggest thing, reason why I went with Key over Hurst is just because, you know, Hurst is on the inside. You know, I think he'll put up. Um, something similar to last year, but I'm hoping Arden Key can convert a little bit more and maybe even start breaching those double digits in sack totals. You guys think that there's even going to be a double-digit sack player this year? Because I honestly don't see it. I don't see anyone on this on this defensive front, and I'm going to go about and bull and say that I don't think it's just, it's a sure, it's a sure thing that no one's going to get it. I mean, obviously there's a chance, but I, I feel like there's really no chance that no one on this defensive front is going to reach that. I just don't feel that strong about it. I don't feel good about it at all. I mean, longevity wise, you know, you think about it, it's good. You're you're putting them out there. You're going to get all those reps. You're going to get all those looks. So later down the line, you should be beasting out. And overall, as a unit, they should be fairly strong. But I mean. In terms of who I think is going to be the sack leader, it's tough. I think I'm going to have to just agree with Mo on this one and say Maurice Hurst just because of what he did last season. You know, interior pressure is like becoming the new norm for where you want to filter, where you want to funnel like all your strongest assets in. So Maurice Hurst, and then you have PJ Hall, um, Eddie Vanados, and Justin Ellis. And I'm not saying that those players are going to be like, in contention with him but i'm just saying in terms of you know rotation wise it's gonna work out because he's gonna get he's gonna have moments where he's gonna be fresh and everything and Cleveland Farrell, you know he, he might have a chance he probably like five sacks or a little more than that 
um, it's 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 a little hard to ga- gauge that what what these rookies are going to be. That's that's why it's like I don't see the, any of these guys being a double digits. But it's not just the sacks that I want to see. I want to see are these guys like beating their man? Are they generating pressure? Like what else are they going to do in terms of the run? Are they affecting the game? You know, kind of like how Pro Football Focus looks at it because it's not strictly just about all. Oh, did you did you tally the number? Like no, did you did you make him alter his throw? Did you make him like move his leave his feet or do something unorthodox? You know, yeah, exactly. Because you know, unless you're freaking Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, you're, if, it doesn't matter if you throw him off the technique, then you'll pretty much did your job for the most part. So, I can't wait to see who's gonna step up. I hope it's better than what I think it is because that means we're gonna see some fantastic football, fellas. Yeah, couple of couple of things though, Mohurst. Remember, Mohurs missed three games last year, so that's true. Let's say let's say he plays a full season. I think he he's a good candidate to to get that seven, eight, maybe nine, nine, maybe a little high. I'll go with eight sacks. I had an article out predicting uh, stats for the rookies, and I had I kind of agree with Jose. I had Cleveland Farrell at about six sacks, so I, I believe those two guys are going to be one and two. Mohurs at eight, Farrell at six, but I will give a, a just a dark horse candidate to lead the team. Jonathan Hankins, he had about he had seven sacks in his sophomore year with the Giants. He's and he's a veteran, so he knows his position. He knows how to play the game. He's not just learning. So I think if he's he's connecting with Buckner, I think Buckner could tap into his talent. I believe he's a dark horse to to get maybe six, seven sacks, and that could lead the team. Because again, I agree with Jose again. I don't see anyone hitting that double digit total. Your leader is probably going to have about seven, eight sacks, and you may even have two guys who tie for seven or eight sacks. And I think Hankins uh, deserves some mention in that category. No, you're right. That's, and Hankins is overlooked because once again, it's not a big name compared to when you have like the, the Maurice Hurst, the Cleveland Farrells, and even Arden Keys. So you're totally right. I totally slipped my mind about Hankins that he actually is a, ni- a nice like force in there, a complimentary force. So like, that, that interior was nice. I mean, that, that's that's another reason why I was <laughs> I was I was hoping one of the one of the two of my players, Quinn Williams, was going to get drafted. But here we are. So it's gonna that interior should be should be very strong it should be very strong i just say and then the edges i, I wonder who's going to be able to one that's take care of business at least outside of Farrell. yeah i mean I'm, the interior defensive line might be the most talented position on the defense for the raiders like if you really think about it like linebackers were getting kind of old the, mm-hmm. the secondary is a bit of a question mark granted lamarcus joiner kind of uh, negates what I'm saying a little bit, but outside of him, it's it's a lot of guys who have shown promise and but not quite, uh, but not quite the stability like just Justin Ellis or like you're saying Jonathan Hankins and whatnot. So yeah, there's a lot of expectations, a lot of uh, a lot of high and good expectations coming from the interior. Yeah, hey, I said this. I said a lot of people need to understand that Raiders pressure, whether you want to look at sacks or just pressures or quarterback hits, is going to go from the inside out. I think. The, the strength is on the inside. Those guys are going to be able to help the guys on the outside get some one-on-one matchups and get some pressure on the quarterback. But it's going to it's gonna start with Mohurst. It's going to start with P.J. Hall. It's going to start with Jonathan Hankins and Justin Ellis. Bender does if he makes the roster. Those guys are going to open up the doors for guys like Cleveland Farrell, Arden Key, and uh, whoever you have on the outside, Max Crosby, if he's playing, significant snaps. So, again, you have veteran inside guys, some young outside guys, and I think the that could mesh into good amount of pressure. Again, maybe not 40 sacks, maybe about 31, 32 sacks to end the season. And I, I wonder also, trying to draw back ties to Buckner, how he's going to coach them up in terms of like showing them ways to stunt. Is he going to have 
Farrell, which actually just reminded me, is he going to be able to like get Farrell to be able to like to bend more? I know that's more like physiological and like than like something, but that's one of the things why I didn't really like about Farrell. He wasn't able to like fully get on like a nice clean bend, although obviously he's not so much of just like, oh, I'm just going to totally speed past you. But what what is he going to be able to do in terms of with him and Gunther and, and like terms of just just unleashing the dogs because you know it's it's more than that it's more than just beating your one-on-one are you going to be able to like use some trickery what other blitzes you're going to use is carl joseph going to come from his high safety spot and like make sure like one of the guards loses distractions so these players are definitely facing in their own sense pressure aside from the coach because once again 13 sacks that's going to be brought up so many times. And, of course, I know Raider fans hate it. Khalil Mack still going to get brought up. Not only that, you're going to face Khalil Mack this season. So whether you like it or not, that's going to be brought up once again and decently this season, especially if the defensive front doesn't generate sufficient enough pressure or sacks. John Pagano used a lot of twists and stunts with uh, Danico Archer, and it worked for him uh, when he took over. And right. this this year, I don't, I don't know what Buckner's plan is, but – Coaches usually like to say they, if you can get pressure with four guys, if you get somebody home with four guys, that's the ideal thing. Mm-hmm. If you can't, then you move on to to a blitz package or, you know, blitzes from diff- disguising things. And I think that's what the Rays are going to have to rely on in the upcoming season because they have so many young guys. I mean, that was one thing that I was a little frustrated with last year is I felt like they didn't use the the stunts enough. And I saw someone pointed it out. I can't remember who. Um, but that Preston Buckner, one of his big things and one of his stops is was working in stunts. So I'm interested to see what he's going to be able to put together and if he, he can get with Gunther and uh, put together some unique stunts to help get some more pressure, help get those pressures and sacks up. All right, Mo, we have reached the last end of our segment where typically it's me and Matt who will give our nice little spoof of what we saw interesting or quack of the week, but. You already know how we're gonna go about this when I discussed you before. I'll I'll let you I'll let you play the home field advantage and I'll let you take over Wh- who's your quack of the week, Mo? It's gotta be Drake. I, I know <laughs> there there are Drake fans out there who love him so much, but I am I am sick and tired of Drake. I give him credit for the for the trolling with the Del Curry jersey, you know, wearing the father over the son. I get it, but Let's get let's get Drake off the TV. He he got destroyed by Pusha T. Like, can he just work on his raps and do his thing there? Like, this is NBA stuff. Can can we just let let Drake get a front row seat? He can massage Nick Nurse's shoulders if he wants to. That's cool. That's fine. Cheer, wave a towel. I get it. But can we get Drake off the team? Can we at least lessen the amount of time we spend on Drake? Because it's he's really not that. He's really. It's, I don't want to say he's insignificant because he is a, a an icon. In America, people love their celebrities, but he's not—he's not shooting a free throw, he's not shooting a three-pointer. Like, keep it on the Siak- Siakam had a great game, but everyone's talking about Drake. The reason Drake was able to puff out his chest and call Drake uh, Draymond Green trash and Warriors trash is because what Siakam did on the court. Drake didn't shoot a free throw. Drake didn't score a point. Siakam had the game. Give him the spotlight. Then, if you want to talk about Drake and what he had to say to Draymond and what he's doing on the sideline, fine. But can we just? Tone it down with the Drake exposure, please. It's please. about to be a surgical summer. If the Warriors really wanted to troll Drake, they should play the story of added on. But that's <laughs> that's uh, at that point you're you're bringing up some bad memories for him. <laughs> oh, is, is that is that crossing the line or? 
this this track that song was awesome man i'm probably gonna slap it after we done with this podcast because i'm not a drake fan so i'm all for the drake slander i'm not disrespecting his game i love that he's a good he's a good revenue maker i don't see him as that great of a rapper but I, I'm gonna push it with God on him. I, I loved it. He just, he just obliterated him on infrared and especially story of Adidon. That one was just like I, I had to drop my phone. I was like, oh, my hands are burning from so much venom in that track, bro. What's going on? My yeah. ears were like flying off. Like, you know, I like just drank Red Bull and everything, and because of all the magic that I was listening to, I was like, this is awesome. This is one of the best diss tracks I have heard since Hit Him Up. And, that was just like it was just hilarious, man. But definitely deserves of quack of the week. It's just getting too overblown at this point. Someone put out a tweet and it was really funny. I retweeted it. It was Draymond. It was a drawing of Draymond Green in a car in a parking lot calling Pusha T. Like this is gonna be, this is gonna be Draymond calling Pusha T in a parking lot. That that had me rolling. I I had that that, that was funny. Yeah, being a Warriors fan, I uh, automatically will not listen to any Drake until the finals are over. Like Clay I can't Thompson. do it. I'm not listening to no soft R&B crap. I mean, that's not exactly what he said, but that's <laughs> essentially what he said. <laughs> but, <laughs> that, but yeah, man, Drake, that is getting overblown. But speaking of the NBA Finals, Mo, since you do, you since you are touched up on NBA as well as NFL, what do you what are you thinking about? What's going on with the finals at this point? Like, who? I didn't really get to see your prediction, who you thought was going to win, and what do you think? How do you think it fares after seeing how Game One went about? Well, I had the Warriors in five. Uh, the Raptors won their first game, obviously. So if I'm if my prediction is going to be right, basically the Warriors have to win out from here on. Run the team. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be a man of my word and stick to my prediction. Say still Warriors in five, and they win it in Toronto, yeah. split, and then they go back home, win those two, and then they close it out in in Canada in Game Five. But um, it's going to be interesting because I, I think now that the Toronto Raptors won and the way they won. Now it seems like they're pushing to get Kevin Durant back on the court. I heard he's on the court, not doing anything strenuous, but he's actually there's some activity level there, whereas there was none before. So I'm not saying the Warriors are worried about the Raptors, but they're like, okay, Kevin Durant, get him ready because if we do go down 0-2, we want to have, we want to at least have him on the court. If he can shoot the basketball, we we need him. Uh, outside of Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, it was pretty quiet for the Warriors in Game mm-hmm. One. So we'll see if they can get some help, more help from their bench or our third wheel. Maybe Draymond wasn't that efficient. I know he had some good numbers on paper, but he, again, he wasn't efficient. His defense fell off. Siakam had a big game, so he's got to be able to lock down Siakam. Uh, again, Kawhi Leonard didn't even have a good game. The Toronto Raptors won. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's what would worry me is the fact that Kawhi Leonard didn't play well and the Toronto Raptors still won that game. So if you're thinking about it, defense has to step it up. Yeah, but you think about it, the way I think how the Warriors are doing it, they made sure to take out their best player, and, and they were thinking, you guys, you have to beat us. And not only did they do that, but they all had the perfect game, especially Siakam. What are the odds he's going to have yeah. that game? I saw he's not going to do that again. Yeah, man. Yeah. He, I saw a stat that's that, that he what he did in the finals hasn't been done since Michael Jordan. No. So yeah. I would think that's the, whatever he's going to do. It's not going to happen again, guys. So your prediction, uh, Mo, in five games. So you think? So you? Because I'm on this boat. I'm definitely on this boat that the Warriors can win without KD. They don't need him for the yeah. series. So do you yeah. believe that? You believe that too, then? Yeah, I believe they. I don't believe they need him. I listened to Jalen Rose say, and I think Jalen Rose has the Raptors in six or seven games. Yeah, he has seven. In six. 
six games. And, and, and I watched the broadcast, and I'm thinking, what, where were you guys when Kevin Durant was with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Did they, did they not win a title without him? And they beat LeBron James. LeBron James' biggest, at that time, at, at the peak of his game, beat LeBron James, and he had some extraordinary finals performances. If they could beat that Cavaliers team with, with LeBron, why couldn't they be in Kyrie? Why couldn't they be, you know, the Toronto Raptors with, with uh, Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, is dealing with an injury? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I don't think they need Kevin Durant to win this series. Uh, but I think, again, I think they want to have him ready just in case something goes awry. If, if they go down 0-2, you want to have him out in the court because a KD at 60% is better than no KD. But I, th- I don't think they necessarily need him to win this series. He's an insurance policy, basically. Right, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in case, like, the offense, when it starts just getting dull, they have nothing to do. And it's like, all right, Katie, get our basket. Yeah. But I feel like when Katie's there, then it's then the ball movement is already cut in half just by default because he's not really – it's not like KD's going to go, you know, get into the block, do his own thing and cut and everything, you know. I mean, he'll he'll stand, stay general and oversee and facilitate, which is good. But when when you watch the game, I see a lot more cutting, a lot more spotting, off screening. I mean, I I love it. I love it looks prettier. So I think when people say, "Oh, the Warriors are better without him," it, I I say they're better without him, but not in the sense that in terms of their talent level. I said they're better without him, just because better. I like the ball movement. And that's more. That's been known to be more more concrete to being elite play when you're getting everyone involved. As in, oh, just let's just go one on one. You know, let's just go one-on-one and see what's going to happen, which, I mean, KD pretty much will win majority of the time. But they don't need him. Come on, they, they don't need him. I mean, game two, I I, I think the Warriors are going to win. I wouldn't be shocked if they came back and just won it by double digits because I'm sure they're getting annoyed with all the questions about, like, are you afraid of Drake? Or why do you, are you afraid of all the slander? You're down game one. Or what are you going to do now? You're facing all this pressure. They're like, all right, this, this is getting hella annoying, guys. Let's just... Let's just run the table on these fools and let's just get out of here. You know, they just got they just got to handle their business now. Plus, Looking at it this way, the Raptors did what they were supposed to do. They defended oh, home yeah, court. Yeah. Perfect game. They defended home court. You know, and the Warriors still have a chance to do what they're supposed to do and take one on the right. road. Yeah, right. I mean, plus, like you got to think at this point that Draymond and Steph they want to end it in Toronto on Game Five. Like that's the <laughs> ideal situation to do it right in front of Drake at this Drake. point. Drake. Well, I think the ideal situation is to end in Oracle for the last time, honestly. So in that case, oh, that's true too. That's I wouldn't true. mind it going to Game Six. Um, I mean, I'm not even a Warriors fan, but I wouldn't. I would love. Actually, I would love it going to Game Six. I do live in San Francisco. So I'll just do it for all my friends and everyone I know that just like suffered for when I was a child in elementary school, and the Warriors were a D League team. You know, let it, let them do it for the for the last time, last hurrah. So, but yeah. Warriors are going to be fine, whether it's in five, six, or seven. I, I'm not worried about it, which is, in fact, boys, next week I'm going to be – no, not next week. In, like, four days I'm going to be in Vegas, and I'm about to lay some serious cheese on the Warriors. Hey, if you if you lose out on that bet, you, you know, you got to get on and sing a Drake song or something like that. Because... <laughs> oh! We got to do that for the podcast. We need that for the social media. Why would I sing on the podcast? I would make listeners and everyone, friends I know on here just like, all right, I, I can't I – can't, well, I don't want to. No, we'll these guys post a video of it. You'll go viral. Like, we'll get you. I don't know. We'll we'll pick out a funny outfit for you. No, no, no. no, no, no. We're not going that far. Get the hell out. No, no, no. no. We we got it. You got to do it for what the song. What kind of song should we do? Find your love, or should we do? You got to do Kiki, uh, the Kiki dance. You got to bring that back. To bring that back. Crap. I don't 
don't even like Drake songs like that. We're gonna, oh, we're gonna man. Do that. We're gonna do some old school stuff that I grew up to in like middle school and high school and everything. Like, I got like it. oh, no. we're not. Well, since you're trying to make me do R and B rap, R and B Drake. Damn it, I don't, I don't know. I got it. You do a remake to uh, Hotline Bling. I was gonna say that. That's what I was gonna say. Yes. Get with yes. the Tims and the colorful and the colorful jacket. No. Oh wait. <laughs> no. You know what? I'll when I, when I lay down the bet, I'll I'll screenshot it, and send it to you guys, put it on Twitter, do something, and then we'll 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 elaborate on this later. You're <laughs> you're fine. You're fine though. The Warriors got this series. You'd have nothing to worry about. Literally but, nothing to worry about. But at that point, it's going to depend on if I just pick a game and just do the money line versus True. just the whole series. Because the whole True. series at that point, where are up, then it's going to be like, oh, minus 500. It's like, yeah, like, I'm not going to waste my time doing that. Come on. Sure. Let's get some value bets. That's true. But True. <laughs> this is a great – this is a fantastic conversation, guys. This, um, I totally, totally had so much fun with you, Mo. It was yeah, I'm thanks, Mo. so honored that you actually like came on, took the time out of your busy day, busy week. To actually even spend time with us two nobodies at this point, um, <laughs> just so glad I finally got to actually talk ball with you once again, and just just talk to you in general, man, because you're a great, fantastic dude that just grinds it, and I respect the hell out of you. And once again, dude, I'm appreciative of you hopping on. Always fun going on the podcast and debating topics. I don't usually get to debate topics on podcasts, so I appreciate you guys having that format where we can kind of go back and forth and play. Yeah devil's advocate because kind of when you go on a lot of these podcasts they kind of want you to do the rah-rah thing the Raiders are great they're going to the Super Bowl they're going to be 16-0 and 0. everyone's great everyone's a pro bowler everyone's an all pro <laughs> and and that's just not my lane and I and I follow Jose closely on Twitter and I know it's a lot of times he pushes back on the positivity not just to be a jerk or just to have a hot take but just to kind of give his personal opinion on things and just not by non-biased and that's how I started writing I started writing just non-biased Say what you think, whether it's negative or positive, or people are going to agree with you or not. And I just appreciate that type of writing, that type of viewpoint on the game. And Matt's like that too. That's why, I like, I wouldn't have tagged up with him on, on the podcast. Although now I think about it, I, sh- I kind of regret it because we always agree in too much things at this point. <laughs> the only two things that we've agreed that we disagreed on in two and in, in, in two topics out of five episodes. Now that this one's complete, essentially, is the. NCAA one. No, we're not touching this today, Mo, because that's gonna <laughs> let this go. Well, you know what? What? Mo, you come. What Matt, are you doing tomorrow, with, Mo? We need I'm, another hour-long episode. I'm with Matt on that one. Your NCAA football take Let's is kind of trash. Like you're trash. Do you, do you even watch football? If you don't play NCAA football in a video game, do you even care about football, bro? Like seriously? <laughs> Let's go. Do you even? You do you out, even? Because I don't play video games. Does it mean okay? If you the fact that you don't attend football games, do you like football? Boom. <laughs> Maybe I don't I have can't afford foot. it. Maybe can't afford it, bro. You know, you want to throw me a lob with some freaking with some marketing you have issues? Come on, man. Tickets. What do you mean? Oh, I don't. I heard, <laughs> if I heard correctly, you never even played a college football game on on a video game. Never, never even played it. All right, man. Is this true? All right, man. I never, <clears throat> I never watched a. Uh, who sucked in the NBA this year? Who was really bad in the NBA this year, Mo? I can't think about the top of my head. The Knicks. The Knicks. Okay, the Knicks. I didn't watch a single Knicks basketball game just just because I didn't watch it doesn't mean I don't doesn't mean I know they're trash doesn't mean I don't know they're trash they're trash oh, I don't need to watch man, it like thus that. I don't need to play NCAA to know it is trash so where are we where are we at here Matt is definitely my favorite co-host on this show definitely thank you, now thank you that means a definitely. lot it means a lot definitely I'll, I'll put that in the the bio of our Twitter <laughs> definitely. <laughs> You know how many dynasties I went through on college football? That was so much fun. Come on now. I got like Come a, on, man. I got like Seriously? a 16-year one going on right now. 
I've imported rosters from college to my Madden game. Like that that stuff was classic and you missed out on all of it, Jose. Oh, That's shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on me. I'm too bad I'm playing with, as the pros with the pros. So while you guys are too busy being children, come get at me. <laughs> oh. I'm over here sitting at the bar drinking martinis dry. You guys over there at your little kitty table with the Shirley Temple. Wondering what, oh. what greatness tastes like. So, heck, you know, you got my number. Let me know. Oh, God. All right, Mo, for the four people who uh, know about us that don't know about you, where can the people find you? Uh, definitely Mo Moten on Twitter, spitting facts, getting hate, responding to it. Bleacher right. Report all day on all NFL teams, not just the Raiders. NFL Spin Zone, just the Raiders. I'm going to have an announcement coming in the next uh, two to three weeks. I may show up on another platform, but I don't want to release that yet. Ooh. I just want to give respect to the people who are bringing me on because they want to kind of break that news first. So I'll let them do that. But look out for me in another on another platform in July. That's coming up. Strictly right. Raiders content. Ah, we got to wait until July? Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll put it out there on, on your podcast and say, hey, I'm going to show up. But I'm, <laughs> again, out of respect for the, the group that's signing me on, uh, I signed a contract with them. I want to let them break that news first before I, before I say anything. Sounds good, man. We're looking forward to it. Definitely. definitely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Man. No problem. All right, everybody. Uh, where you can find us, you can find us at, at @sweetfly on Twitter. You'll find me at, at @mholder95. Jose, you want to give him your handle? At jsanch underscore 21. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. And please be on the lookout for any of Mo's work. Just talk to him, yeah. especially about pineapple pizza. He loves it. <laughs> That's a lie. Straight lie. <laughs> it's definitely not a lie. Shut up. And the podcast, hurry up before you can't correct it. Hurry Let's up. Let's go. I'll edit that part. But until then, we out. Yeah, that was it.